All right, guys, we've got an upbeat, in-depth, and Christ-focused analysis of the midterm elections and the state of our country on Relatable Today. And we've got something a little bit different for you. My colleague, Delano Squires, will be a sort of co-host today on Relatable, sharing his analysis. I know that you are going to love this discussion. It's going to encourage you. It's going to edify you. Delano has a lot of great insight. And we just kind of went back and forth as Christians on what we think, not just about the election last night, the goods and the bads, because there were bads, um, but also just in general about how we view the state that we're in, the phase that we're in in American society as believers. And so I just I just know that you are going to love this episode. I have a feeling about it. Uh, it's brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers, American Meat Delivered. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. All right. Without further ado, here is Delano Squires. Delano. Thanks so much for joining for my post-election coverage. We've got a lot to talk about today. How are you feeling just in general? I feel fine, honestly. Yeah. Um, And I think, honestly, this is one of the benefits of, and I hate to say this way, a benefit, but I don't put my trust in politicians. Yeah. I voted. I exercised my civic duty. um, And I feel... You feel fine. I feel fine. Yeah. So we were doing election coverage last night for yep. Blaze TV. Yep. And in the end, everyone kind of shared their final thoughts in mm-hmm. our semicircle. Mm-hmm. And one after another, I mean, this is, I mean, I'm not saying anything negative about my colleagues whose analysis I find like really insightful and compelling, but they were all really depressed and discouraged. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounded like, especially my friend Steve Days, who was here yesterday, who, again, is one of, I think, the best political analysts out there. And I was like, dang, I must be missing something because while obviously I talk a lot about politics and mm-hmm. culture, I'm not someone who sits and looks at the data coming in every day and has been right. paying attention very closely to all of the polling. But I'm looking at a couple things. The reason why I'm not like super depressed today a few things one because of what delano said i don't put my trust my hope my joy Mm -hmm. in politicians also this is the day that the lord has made let us rejoice and And be be glad glad in it it. yes hebrews 13 8 jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever and he's already won so that victory Mm -hmm. is sure one day there will be no more politics but then also on a political level because of course i do care about the state of our country i do care about the direction that we go in as we so often say politics matter because policy matters because people people matter matter. Mm -hmm. people are affected by policies and elections and things like that so i do care on that level we had some great victories last night like i'm really glad that beto o'rourke did not win as the governor (laughs) of texas i'm really glad that stacey abrams was defeated and man i am really glad at the incredible victory that governor DeSantis had and that's not just a Republican victory all right we kind of expect Kemp to win we kind of expect um, Abbott to win but and yes of course we expected DeSantis to win but if we look back to 2018 when he was running 
against a hard left progressive, Mm -hmm. Andrew Gillum, Mm -hmm. and he won by only 50,000 votes. People really didn't think he was going to win because Florida was and in some ways, I guess you could stay still still uh, say still is like a purple state. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has transformed the state by running on the issues that he knows that people care about and getting out front before any other Republican governor will and say, no, you know what? We're not doing the vaccine mandates and we're not doing the quote unquote gender confirmation surgery for kids. Yeah, we're going to have the health department that talks about the dangers of that, that talks about the dangers of the vaccine. We are not going to allow this gender ideology to dominate school uh, schools for little children. And we're actually willing to take privileges away from the biggest corporation in Florida mm-hmm. who is working against good curriculum in schools and working against parental rights in schools. He ran on that that a lot of people thought was radical, a lot of people thought was too far right, a lot of people thought was controversial, and he transformed the state of Florida. Not only that, has transformed much of the country Yes, because he has been so bold in that. So I know that was a long answer, but because of all of that, like I, I also feel kind of positive. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think your, your point about Governor DeSantis is spot on. One of the other things he did is he had... Um, he built a solid ground game because I, I believe, and I may not have all the numbers correct, but basically when he came into office, Democrats outnumbered Republicans in terms of registered voters. And now I think they may be up by 100,000 or 200,000 yes. Republican yes. Um, registered voters versus Democrats. Yes. So it, it's the combination of, of that political infrastructure and being right on the issues. And and one of the things that I think we've gotten used to as as an American public is um, are leaders who don't really lead. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they're all, they're weather vane leaders. Yeah. It's just, they put their finger in the wind. Exactly. They, just, they see which way it's b- blowing. And then they say, okay, I'll just go with the crowd because it's safety in numbers. Yeah. But when he stood against the jab um, and Dr. Fauci, he was really taking a serious political risk. Um, and it it's paid off because uh, unfortunately everybody in the country got COVID. Yeah. Whether you were jabbed or not jabbed, you got COVID. Um, And the difference is some states and some governors and some local officials kept kids out of school, fired people from their jobs, some of whom, like the nurses and the first responders, were heroes the year before. Yeah. And now they're villains that want to kill your grandma and, Mm -hmm. and your newborn. And... Governor DeSantis didn't do that. And he has he has health authorities that do not just blindly follow Washington. Um, and, and I think there's something to be respected and commended about that type of leadership. Yeah. And he was willing to wade into the LGBTQ mm-hmm. issue. And most Republicans oh, they're are not. They're scared. Allie, they're, scared. they're so scared. I mean, one of the biggest lies that we saw was mm-hmm. the so-called don't say gay bill. Right which was literally just saying, hey, if you're a public school teacher that teaches kindergartners through mm-hmm. third graders, mm-hmm. and we're talking, you know, five to nine-year-olds, mm-hmm. don't teach them that they can switch their genders. Right. Don't teach them about sex. I mean, if we even just, like, try to explain the need for the legislation like that to someone from five to ten years ago, they would be like, what? Why, why do like, you even need a correct, law like that? Correct, correct. But now not only do we need that law, but we actually have an entire media apparatus, an entire political party, at least the politicians, maybe not the entire base, mm-hmm. saying that that's bad. 
right. that that's bad. No, actually, teachers should be able to teach five-year-olds that one day they can be chemically castrated mm. and that Jack can become Sally. Right. And I mean, this to me, the legislation, it didn't even go as far as like what it could one day and what it should It'd one day. It'd be a day. lot different if you and I were writing it. Right. Yeah. We'd say, yeah. no, Get no, it out of the never, completely. ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ever, got you. ever. I got you. But I mean, it was a great piece of legislation. And mm-hmm. I think because of its like limitation from kindergarten through third grade, it actually showed just how radical right. they are on this, that they are so keen. The Democrats are so keen to introduce your five-year-old, mm-hmm. I mean, a baby basically, mm-hmm into queer theory mm-hmm. that they are willing to malign a governor for it. So he was willing to go into the LGBTQ issue. And I think a lot of governors, a lot of Republicans, even if they did do something like Governor DeSantis, when they were pressured by the press, they would say they would defend themselves by saying something like, well, you know, I'm not anti-gay. Right. No, I'm not homophobic or transphobic. You know, basically use their framing, Democrats framing to defend themselves and that's one thing i love about desantis is that he doesn't do this right he's like no i reject your premise entirely right and i'm not even responding to that accusation right. because you're lying goodbye right and 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 there is a lesson to be learned there for republicans um you know when we saw after dobbs you had 47 i think house republicans sign on to what me and my colleagues call the disrespect for marriage act in, <laughs> in congress it just shows how weak they are in this issue. And I think ultimately, and this is something you, you talk about all the time, and I think um, many Christians, particularly you know, Bible-believing Christians, understand this. Most of our issues in our political culture are not political issues. They're worldview issues. Yeah. Um, and one thing that the Republicans have been able to do to this point is, generally speaking, get to the right destination, but they're not clear on their path. So I, I've, I've seen, for instance, you know, um, uh, draft legislation that says something to the effect of, oh, uh, if a school wants to, um, if a child wants to transition genders in the school, the school has to notify the parents first. And, and, I, and I'm like, OK, I get the parental authority uh, piece, but we should plant our flag firmly in the ground. Oh, yeah. Sex is determined at the point of conception and remains unchanged throughout all of natural period. life. Period. Period. Then you can start and say, yeah. if, if a child is, exhibits symptoms of gender dysphoria, that child should have access to counseling or so on and so on and so forth. And then you get to the last piece, which is, um, you know, any conversation around X, Y and Z in the school has to be had with the parent first. But Republicans just get to they go straight to parental authority. Yeah. Um, uh, we want boys out of girls sports. OK, so let's say you get boys out of girls sports. What does that mean? Can can the school still teach that boys can become girls? Yeah. So so I think there's an unwillingness to really fight and recapture the territory that the left has taken. And as the left continues to move left, the right is going to continue to move left unless there are people who are willing to say, I, I to your point, I reject this premise. I reject this worldview. This is what I believe. This is what I stand on. And, and this is why I believe it. Yeah. And I'm curious what you think about this theory, because it's something that I've noticed about myself and Mm -hmm. I have started to see some people on the right do this, too. So we've got the transgenderism thing. Mm -hmm. It's 
gotten more absurd than I think anyone could have ever imagined when we're talking about 12 year olds in some cases getting a double mastectomy mm-hmm. because they're confused for a period of time about uh, their body. I mean, I don't even think if 10 years ago we were trying to write a dystopian novel about like where this progressive sexual revolution would go. I don't even think that our minds could have gone there. No. And yet here we are. That's something that is happening in the United States. Um and it seems to me that as we've seen the absurdity of how far the sexual revolution has gone, it has caused some some people on the conservative side who maybe previously didn't see a problem with Obergefell, didn't see a problem with the whole quote unquote gay marriage thing, didn't really see a problem with the love is love. How does that affect me? No big deal. And, you know, whatever. We'll just kind of let that one go. It's forcing them to kind of back up and to say, okay, we got to the point to where we've got teenage boys being chemically castrated and going on cross-sex hormones. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got an entire political party that is pushing that. How did we get here? Because that didn't happen in a vacuum. And I'm just wondering if that absurdity and that extremism will actually cause people to become more conservative on the things that they should have conserved a while ago, like marriage. Because they're starting to see, oh, this is where the sexual revolution has gone. All right. Where did this come into play? Did it come into play when transgenderism started? No, it was before that. Okay, did it come into play when Obergefell started? Yeah, because that's basically like saying men and women are interchangeable Mm -hmm. too. So it's on the same premise. Well, where did that come from? And then looking at the ideology of feminism and looking at the sexual revolution that Mm -hmm. started all the way back in the 60s and 70s. So I'm wondering if the radicalism of the left can actually move some people on the right to the right because you're kind of realizing where all of this craziness came from. It's not enough to just go back a few years. We got to go back a lot further than that if we want to correct this. I I, I do think there's that potential. um, And I think you'll see this more on a local level first. I mean, you see groups of parents from all across the country and, and now from different faiths, including, you know, Muslim parents in Michigan who are saying we don't want our kids being taught this gender ideology nonsense. Right. So, so I do think that there are people who are, who may not think of themselves as conservatives, but who say the left is just going too far. They're too radical on some of these issues. And, I, and, and th- this is where people who think like this um, sort of lose the plot. They think that they can say, Oh, I'm okay with gay marriage, same-sex mirage, but I'm not with transgenderism, right? I'm okay with abortion up until 15 weeks, but not 20 weeks. And, um, you know, it, so, so they, they think that these are just a bunch of discrete points that, tend, that are yeah. in, you know, sort of floating in this, in this circle. Whereas, I think we would say, no, these are all points on a continuum. So you, you start one place and you end up the next place. And, and, and I've been thinking about this. I think one of the downsides of moving, and this is going to seem like a completely unrelated point, but I'm going to try to tie it in. One of the downsides of moving from an agricultural society to a technical and industrial society is that people um, forget how nature works. They mm. forget that nature has a nature. Mm. And when you sow, you reap, but you reap later and you reap greater. Hmm. And we are reaping things that were sown, as you said, decades ago. Mm-hmm. Like this, and, and I didn't even get all of it, right? Of course. I, 
I've often said if if the root of feminism is going to be pulled out of the country's ground, it'll be harder to get it out of some men than some women. Because I think a lot of women understand this is a raw deal, right? I, I work 40, 45, 50 hours at, on the job, and then I still come home and I have basically all the domestic responsibilities. This doesn't feel like empowerment to me. I, I give my body to guys. They say that this is sexual empowering. So why is it I'm always the one that's crying the next night, mm. the next morning, right? And it's one of these things where we, we sowed those things, um, abolishing the differences between male and female, yeah. um, assuming that, you know, again, marriage is just between two people. It's not even a man. And to be fair, this didn't start with Obergefell. You know, a lot of people say this started with no fault divorce. Where we exactly. Changed. We're going back further and Correct. further into things that we didn't even think about. Like I wasn't thinking about like no fault divorce mm-hmm. 10 years ago. But now, honestly, the transgenderism issue has made me think about those things because mm-hmm. I am going back to well, where did this start and mm-hmm. where do we need to go to correct the course? Yeah. And, and the thing is, people vote for these things and even some Christians. And I, I'll, I'll tell them myself in 2012, I was going to a totally different type of church. I didn't use terms like biblical worldview. Yeah. I voted when the state of Maryland had, you know, a referendum on so-called same-sex marriage. I voted for it because I thought, well, it's just two adults. It's private matter. If if a man and a woman can get married, why can't, you know, a man and a man or a woman and a woman? What's what's the difference? Yeah. Why is the government involved? I was ignorant. Yeah. And even, even though I was going to church and I would call myself a Christian, I didn't have a biblical worldview. Yeah. And I think a lot of believers suffer from that. Yeah. They operate as if their faith is one room in a larger house yeah. that they own. Yeah. They only go into that room on Sundays, maybe on Wednesday if they go to Bible study. Mm. But other than that, their finances are in a different room. How they approach politics are in a different room. How they approach relationships is in a different room. And I think as I, as I matured in my faith, it's just like, no, God owns this house. Yeah. All of it. Yep. So everything I engage in, whether it's relationships and, and, you know, finances and politics, I have to filter through that biblical lens. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't have that, you, unless, unless it's possible to not have that and still stay firm. But that's extremely difficult. Yeah. Because there are very few things that any person, particularly on the left, believes now that they won't abandon in four years if the majority of, yeah. of the population moves in a different direction. Yeah, or even just that like very powerful minority of people that yes. kind of emotionally extorts you into agreeing with them. Quick pause to tell you about our first sponsor for the day. It's an awesome sponsor. I love them so much. And that is Carly Jean Los Angeles. Carly Jean Los Angeles is a family business that was created for women to help simplify our lives through easy, beautiful, and comfortable clothes. Carly, she is a wife, a mom, a Christian. She's been running this business for several years and she has stayed true to its mission, not just simplifying and beautifying uh, women's wardrobes, but also honoring Christ in how she conducts her business. They stand for the same values that you and I do. So you can actually feel good for once about sending your money to a company, knowing that they are not then turning around and sending that money to organizations that are fighting against the things that you believe in. Plus, I just love their clothes. 
love them, wear them almost every single day, would wear every single thing that they sell. Plus, their basics line is made in the U.S. You guys know that that's important to me. So just all around an awesome company to buy your clothes from. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use promo code Ally. B for 20% off, excluding final sale items, always free shipping over $100. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, promo code AllieB for that discount, CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. We'll get back into the election in just a second, but going off of what you said about this um, biblical worldview, that is something that I've, another change or another shift that I have had in my own life over the past few years. Again, just this, like the craziness of our culture making me go back further and further to think about like, what do I need to uproot in my own mind Mm -hmm. that led me a few years ago, I would have said that, well, yeah, I'm Mm pro-life, but you know, in cases of rape and incest, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I probably wouldn't have made a stand against what you called legal same-sex mirage. Um, I, 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 I just, I wouldn't have either because I would have had the same kind of mentality or I yeah. would have at least been scared yeah. um, to say anything about it. But I've really, I mean, partly because of my job, had to really think about why I believe what I believe. And I've just realized that everything really does go back to Genesis 1. And on those issues, like I'm very thankful. I had Christians in my audience who, when I would say these things, like I said something about being for abortion exceptions a few years ago, and someone in my audience just kind of kindly called me out and was like, you know, why should we discriminate against people because of the circumstances surrounding their conception? And I was like, whoa. (laughs) So you never, I mean, you really never know what questions you ask to someone that makes them change their mind. But anyway, it's just made me realize, because I also used to be someone who said, you know what, you don't need to bring religion into the conversation when you're talking about gender or when you're talking about abortion. And you don't always have to. But I kind of probably would have said, well, I can explain my position on abortion from a purely secular standpoint Mm -hmm. or gender. And you can. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. it's really not enough. What you are appealing to when you try to convince someone without like citing the word of God, Mm -hmm. hey, we shouldn't abort people because killing human beings is bad and people in the womb are human beings. Most people, Christian or not, in the United States would agree that it's bad to kill human beings. When you say, hey, I, I... don't think that we should be chopping off the genitalia of, you know, of people in general, but especially kids, because they can't really consent to that. You are appealing to an assumption that a lot of Americans have that human beings matter and that children are a protected class. The unspoken premise, though, in that argument is that people are made in the image of God. Right. And even if someone, a secular person in the United States, would not explicitly say, yes, people are made in the image of God, every conversation that we have about human rights, every conversation that we have about morality is based on that unspoken premise in the West. If you do not have a God who gave you inalienable rights and that the government should not and cannot take away because the government did not give us those rights, 
then that is the only thing that really makes the abortion debate make sense. That's really the only thing that makes the gender and genital mutilation debate make sense from our perspective, because science can tell you when life begins. Science cannot tell you why that life matters. Science can tell you that we are that we are uh, sexually dimorphic beings. Mm. Science cannot tell you why that reality matters more than a person's feelings. The only thing that can tell us that, the only thing that can tell us why the life matters when life begins, why feelings do not trump biology, is that someone created us that way. Mm. Uh, There is a God who created us, who defined us, who says what we are. There is an authority that tells us those things outside of that when we're talking about human value and human rights and Mm -hmm. right and wrong and morality and like the the evil of like violence and things like that people don't realize we are all operating under the assumption that human beings are not clumps of cells yeah yeah that we are made in the image of god so i've actually found that yes i will go back to theology i will go back to the bible and i actually find it very illogical and irrational to not go back to the bible when you're defending the definition of marriage, when you're defending the value of life, when you're defending the reality and the importance of, you know, gender biology, you really have to, you really have to science yeah. and logic and philosophy can only get you so, so far. far. Yeah. And, and I think what is being exposed is that for the better part of certainly this country's history, um, we all had an assumed foundation to your point and you never had to argue it because it was just assumed. I, I've, I've said this to people before, like when I was in high school and I was taking, I can't remember whatever math class I was taking was algebra or trigonometry, whatever it is. And there's certain times where you, you, you're using a theorem um, to solve a particular problem. And at that age, the teacher would always say, don't worry about trying to understand the theorem. Just use it when you get, to a different stage when you get to calculus one or calculus two, then it'll be explained to you. Mm. And we have been using sort of, um, you know, building arguments on that biblical worldview, on that framework that says that the designer is the definer, like we are created beings with inherent worth and value. And all of our arguments prior, again, to a couple of years ago, were built on that assumption. And you never had to, you didn't have to ask well, why do you think only women can have babies? Like, why? But now you do. Yeah. Um, and what happens, you know, the, the foundations of our entire structure have been shaken. And some people are seeing their way through it. I think for people like you and I, it's, it is, the last five years have been so clarifying for me. Mm-hmm. And as the world has grown darker, I, I see my faith shining brighter. And I'm, I'm bolder. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm, I'm more willing to, to bring the Bible into arguments. I would, when I was, when I was writing for the root and the griot, that probably wasn't going to happen. I, I may, I may reference faith in a general yeah. sense, but in terms of the foundation of an argument that I was making, that probably wasn't going to happen. So I think as, as things have continued to crumble around us, like you remember the, a few months ago, the, the college professor, 
you know, she was in a congressional hearing and she was going back and forth with Senator Hawley. And she said, well, do you believe that men can get pregnant? And she was all smug. And he was like, no, no, I don't. Oh, you, you don't? Oh, oh, what kind of person are you? And I was just yeah. like, how did yeah. we get to this place where she thinks she has the upper hand in this, in this particular argument? And she was saying, she was like, it was to Josh Hawley. And she was like, so you're saying that trans men don't exist because trans right. men is like, it's a woman who right. identifies female, as a right. man who still has a uterus and can have a child. And he... He was saying, I, I think his response, either he avoided it or he was like, no, that's not what I'm saying. And this is what you were talking about earlier about like, OK, the GOP needs to anchor themselves right. on reality mm-hmm. and not play their games. No, the answer to that question is yes. The answer to that question is yes. Yeah. No, I, I don't believe that they exist because what is a trans man or a trans woman? No, I believe that there are men, there are women that's determined at conception. Of course, that's. That's what I believe. Right. And so I think, again, that's just the GOP. Like, they're, they allow them. I'm not saying Josh Hawley, but I'm just saying some Republicans mm-hmm. in general just kind of like allow themselves to be manipulated by yes. the language games of the yes. left. When really you kind of need to call their bluff. Yeah. Because what they're doing is they're saying they're trying to bait you by saying, are you really going to admit that you're this horrible of a person? And I'm like. Really, what I want to say, and this is what I think DeSantis does well, I don't care about your definition of horrible. I've seen what you applaud. Right. I don't care if you boo me. Right. I hope that you do. Right. In fact, if you, crazy person, are cheering me on, I got to reevaluate everything about my life. Yeah. I'll, I'll give an example, right? And you're right, in terms of characterizing conservatives, I wish some of them would just pull the mic closer and say, Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. No, men cannot have babies. But I, I was watching something on BT the other night. It was um, Vice President Harris. She was at Howard University. I live in Maryland. So, you know, I work close to Howard. And it was a town hall on, quote unquote, reproductive rights. Because, again, if there's two things that the left wants is terms and territory. They want the dictionary and they want the institution. So everything is a euphemism. So reproductive rights. And 90% women in the crowd, a few smattering, you know, smattering of guys. And at one point, as is always the case, the conversation turns to, well, what role should men play in this? How can they be better allies? And I tweeted about it. And I said, like, she wants guys to, to, to know why they should be on board with, you know, killing their own offspring, so on and so forth. And a professor... Um, of Africana Studies at Howard University responded to me and he said something to the effect of, so are you saying that when a woman is impregnated and I'm just like, see, we starting off on the wrong foot, doc. I don't speak like this. I don't yeah. speak in passive language and, and you know, yeah. that she doesn't, that she does not, not have a right to, to d- decide what to do with her pregnancy. And I was just like, what is he yeah. talking about? But, but a, a big part of it is there are people who have a lot of education who think that they are God, that they can define reality ex nihilo. They think that their words sort of determine our reality. And it's one of these things where um, I, I see that type of thing. And, and my response to him was very, very simple. And let me, let me see if I, if, if I have it. Um, he said... Uh, I'm sorry. I, I should I should have had it okay. pulled up. Um, but that's okay. If you if you get it, you can. 
Yeah, he said, just so I'm clear, you you support making sure that after being impregnated, a woman doesn't have a right not to be pregnant? Yes. My gosh. Because to be clear, that's what we're talking about here. And I said, I believe intentionally ending the life of a child is wrong, regardless of the manner of conception or stage of development. I don't know what right not to be pregnant means. If you're saying a woman has a right to kill her baby, I'd appreciate it if you said so clearly. Yeah. That's always my Isn't response. Isn't it so funny how I, I noticed that when a lot of politicians, activists, professors, academics, but just progressives in general, typically when they say to be clear, they are speaking in the most unclear right. terms. Like they will be like, to be clear, you are not not saying that men who identify as trans femme have a right, right. to not be pregnant. What, like, what are you even saying? They'll say to be clear or they'll say something totally ridiculous that mm-hmm. is very open ended. And at the end, they'll say full stop. I'm right. like, mm, actually, like I have a response to that. Correct. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about these uh, speaking about abortion. And then mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about Georgia and Stacey Abrams. <laughs> um but uh, so abortion propositions or abortion proposals in the state of Michigan, in the state of Kentucky, and then also in the state of California, um, in the uh, in the state of Michigan, it was proposal three, basically guaranteeing uh, constituents in the state of Michigan would have a right to there's this euphemism again, mm-hmm. reproductive freedom. Um, so. The state basically is allowing through all nine months for any reason uh, women to be able to abort their children. They're making sure that it is a right that basically cannot be infringed upon Mm. in any way. And um, also there are some implications about like uh, apparently how minors are able to use this right to receive different kinds of gender quote unquote uh, treatments and so there are going to be a lot of implications to this all of them destruction and that passed in Michigan 55% where also Gretchen Whitmer won her re-election campaign I mean we are talking about the woman who made it illegal for a period of time during COVID uh, for people to buy their own seed to be able to plant their gardens she won re-election so that's a little bit troubling in the state of Michigan. And I mean, really troubling in the state of Michigan. And then we got in Kentucky, the Constitutional Amendment 2, no right to abortion. So this was an amendment in Kentucky saying there's no constitutional right to abortion, protecting the life of unborn children, which, of course, is righteous. That did not pass. The mm-hmm. margin was a little slimmer. 52% said no. 47% said yes. So, again, another tragedy. And then, of course, in the state of California, where we are not surprised at all, it's completely gone to degeneracy. Mm-hmm. Um, Prop 1, which, again, like Michigan, guaranteed this right to reproduce freedom and we know because Gavin Newsom has said this that California has become in the most dystopian subversive sense a sanctuary state not just for things like abortion but also minors who want surgery and who want procedures to attempt to do the impossible and that has changed their gender Mm. something that I've written about maybe you wrote about it too John MacArthur Mm -hmm. wrote to Gavin Newsom about this he put out those billboards yeah to women in red states saying, hey, you can come here and abort your baby and used a Bible verse, Mm. love your neighbor as yourself, 
to in order to do that. I mean, uh, talk about like a hard heart. Talk about like God giving someone over to the absolute depravity um, of their mind. And so like this, I know we don't want to get like depressed today, Mm -hmm. but it's really difficult for me to understand, especially people who profess to be Christians. They look at propositions and proposals like this. They vote for the unfettered right to dismember and to poison, to brutally murder image bearers inside the womb. And like, I don't know what more we as pro-lifers can do to show people how disgusting this is. We're already showing up at the pregnancy centers every day. We're already trying to give all of our time, energy, and resources Mm -hmm. to parents who are in crisis to help them carry their baby. We are already trying to show people what abortion is, and still we have people who are just completely given over. I mean, how does this happen? Uh, How it happens, I think... To, to piggyback on a phrase coined by Andrew Breitbart, Breitbart, who said that politics is downstream from culture. Yeah. But I think that culture is downstream from, from worship from or from cult. religion. From, yeah, religion. Right? So, so I, I think the culture you get is reflective, is reflective of the, the dominant belief system among a particular people. The dominant theology. Right. So when, when you see people vote for these things, you should, you should assume one of two things. One, some are ignorant and don't know. And, and I, small I ignorant, I'm not saying, oh, they're stupid. They just don't know. Yeah. They're, they're voting on things or they're voting for candidates and, and they just don't know. But the second one is that their vote is a reflection of their values. And it's unfortunate. But I think, again, starting from, you know, the, the second, second wave feminism on, the, the notion that, that a child um, has rights that life has inherent worth, not conditional worth, is one that Ameri- many Americans functionally do not believe. Now, a lot of people try to split the difference and say, well, I'm personally pro-life, but I don't think the government should regulate. And that's nonsense because part it's of what the government nonsense. does is, is regulate under what circumstances one person can take the life of another person. Yeah. You can't do it if it's murder. You can do it if it's self-defense. And that's part of what a government is supposed to do. But I, but I think one way that the pro-life movement can show people and, I, and I, that's the word you use is actually to show people and i this would be it would be stomach turning um it wouldn't be pleasant but i've i've written uh, before and and one one i write twice a week for the blaze now so i i've i've forgotten more things than i've actually written but i liken what pro-lifers are doing now to to a second abolitionist movement and one of the things that shocked the conscience, um, I think then and certainly now, as it relates to the first abolitionist movement, is seeing the destruction that slavery wrought. There, there's an image, I don't know what the, what the man's name is, but a lot of people have seen this image. It's mm. a black and white image. A yeah. man is, he's, he's backing the camera. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And his about. back is just, has just been ripped apart mm. by lashings and whippings. If people were to see what, you know, a dismembered baby looked like again it's not something that we want to see yeah and it would probably be you know tear inducing but that's the only way for people to get what we're yeah. talking about and i i know that this can be effective because um i remember you know when i was a freshman many moons ago on college campus you, you know you, you'll have different groups that come around and they'll table and say you know join the 
you know, college robotics club. And the college vegans were showing videos of how the chicken gets from the farm <laughs> to your table. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the ways that vegans try to recruit people. They said, look, do you see how brutal, um, you know, it is, you know, for pigs and cows and yeah. for you to eat meat? And I think if people really saw what an abortion is and what it does, they wouldn't be able to hide behind the euphemisms. Yeah. Because right now, that's exactly what we do. And, yeah. and going back to the example I gave, that professor that I talked about, who's a professor of Af Africana studies, he once went on a, on a different show um, and he, like after Texas passed their abortion uh, bill, I think it was after six, the ban after six weeks, he likened black women who left Texas for other states to get abortions mm -hmm. to um, Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad. Yeah. This is, this is how sick and depraved some of these people are. Right. And, and I know this is one of these things. And because generally speaking, you know, black Americans vote 90 percent for Democrats um, where the party goes. Generally speaking, the, the black community is not far behind. Um, I, I do not understand why there aren't more black folk. And, and there's a growing contingent. Tr trust me who take a step back and say, why is it all, all of the pro-black organizations, the NAACP, the Urban League, um, the National Action Network, and so on and so forth, why are all these organizations so rapidly pro-abortion? Mm -hmm. Anything else that has a disproportionate impact on black people, on you know, black lives and the black body, as they like to say, or any organization that has a history of racism, particularly with a racist founder, they don't want anything to do, do with except Planned Parenthood except and Parenthood. except when it comes to abortion. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it is baffling to me. Yeah. Um, and I think part of why this is, and this is across the board, is when the family disintegrates, when fathers are not in their rightful place, um, other institutions fill that vacuum. Um, and, and I think if, if we want to, you know, so to speak, take the country back, that's going to mean a revival, particularly in the church, and a revival in the family. And, yeah. and that is something that no politician can give you. Um, because again, at bet, you, you know the left is not, they don't talk about marriage and nuclear yeah. family at all. That's yeah. not a part of their platform. And the right is very squishy, and they may, they may agree with us, you know, dads are important, marriage is important, sure. And then two minutes later, they're signing some bill to legalize commercial surrogacy or exactly. some craziness like that. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, they're not going to give it to us. This is something that it's again, game. We, we have to address worship, our faith, our, our, our religious life, and then hopefully see that downstream impact on yeah. the culture and then on the people that we elect to represent us. Yeah. And by the way, because I hear this argument from black activists, you know, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams saying that it's um, it's a matter of equality for black women. It's a matter of economic opportunity for them to be able to have access to abortion. Therefore, it's racist to be against abortion. Look, if abortion was helpful to the black community, it would have mm. helped. Mm. Uh, the disparities are still there. They're not closing. Uh, fatherlessness is still a problem. Mm -hmm. um, 
heavy and disproportionate crime is still a problem. The economic disparities still a problem. And the abortion rate has been disproportionately high among black women Mm -hmm. for decades now. So if abortion was accomplishing, not saying that it would be justified, even if it did, but if abortion was accomplishing all the things that Stacey Abrams and those people said that it was going to accomplish for like the liberation and equality and prosperity of black people, it would have done it a long time ago. All you're doing is decimating your community and you're doing it in the name of love and justice. It's hard. It's hard to understand how people don't see that it's the exact opposite. And you were talking about that professor. And I was just thinking like, yes, we do show we do show the brutality of abortion. I, I absolutely think like when I get emails from people saying, wow, I became pro-life, like listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. It is always the episode in which, yes, of course, I'm trying to use logic to get people to say, right. like, see, you're against murder of other humans. Why are you against murder of this human just because she's small? That's mm-hmm. a really arbitrary standard. But also, when I describe what an abortion is, mm-hmm. when I use abortionist words mm-hmm. like Leroy Carhart to explain what the procedure is, exactly what it does, simply from an objective, factual, scientific perspective, um, people say, wow, I did not know or I did not want to know. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. But then, OK, there's this other group. A lar- uh, an increasing group of people who know NPR Delano played yeah. a few days before the election. This is how brazen they are, yeah. that they know that people are just so taken over by their wickedness that they can play this on left wing NPR and people will still vote for this. Mm-hmm. They played the audio of an abortion, of the woman screaming, of the baby being sucked out of the mother's yeah. uterus, killed. Mm hmm. This little living human being, the uh, nurses in the room while this woman was getting an abortion, the NPR played cheering this woman on, mm-hmm. saying you're doing a good job. I mean, demonic NPR played this thinking that, well, this is going to, I don't know, they thought work in our favor. People heard that. They still went out and they still said, yes, yeah. that is a right. I am going to vote for that. They're professing Christians. Yes who went out and they voted for that after hearing it, after seeing it, who have seen the broken bodies of these babies and still go out and vote for it. And that is because, I mean, people have, I mean, Romans one, people have been given over to the depravity of their mind. They have ears. They don't hear. They have eyes. They don't see. Uh, They are completely in submission to the father of lies who cannot tell the truth. That is the only explanation really that I have. But I mean, it's the same thing like what you were saying. There were people who owned slaves. There were people who knew other people who Mm -hmm. owned slaves, who saw those scars, Mm -hmm. who saw the brutality and who would say that they were Christians, who would say that everyone's made in the image of God. They saw that brutality and they still said, no, I'm going to defend it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... There's there's so much there, and, and again, you you mentioned Stacey Abrams, and and I've seen numerous black pastors. There's one pastor um, in in Atlanta actually, who after the Dobbs decision came down, he he had a monologue and talked about how when women put their mind to something, they'll accomplish anything. Because he's talking about you know getting like quote unquote abortion rights back, and then ten minutes later they did a baby dedication. 
because they, they, they don't make the connection between these two things. And, and it, it really is. And I'm going to be transparent. Do it. Um, it, it grieves me to see where so many black churches have come to um, the place that they've come to. It's not all. It's the ones that think that the greatest bondage in this world is income inequality. And, and for them, the gospel is social justice, right? It's that line, that line of churches. Um, because they're completely sold out to the left. But I also know how you get there. I was raised in church my entire life. And when, at an earlier point in my life, and I won't say when, because I don't want to, for lack of a better term, implicate anybody in the, in the situation. So I, I only speak from my perspective. I made that same choice. I was being irresponsible in terms of, in terms of sex. And I, I didn't feel like I was ready to be a dad. Um, but it was a lot there. It was all about me, what I wanted, what I wanted to do, what I was ready for and not ready for. And um, I, you know, paid for an, an, an abortion and um, the, the, the woman at the time was, uh, I, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't coercion or anything like that. Um, but this notion that, oh, women have abortions and then they just go back to life as normal, that wasn't the experience that I mm. had at all. Yeah. It had an effect, had a significant effect. I didn't realize the effect that it had on me mm. until I got married and we had our first kid. Mm. And my wife gave, like many women do, she gave that gift that every husband wants, gave me a box and I opened it and it was a pregnancy test. And I was ecstatic. And I, I went to, my wife and I worked in the same building for a period of time. We both worked for DC government. I was on the fifth floor, she was on the second floor. So I went to every OBGYN appointment, yeah. right? Every sonogram, I was there. And then it hit me, I said, we're at a similar stage now with our first child as I was back then. Mm. And I had to repent of that. And um, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about family and life and these issues is because I see everything that I have now, particularly as it relates to family, my wife and our three kids, as a grace of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't deserve any of it. Yeah. None of it. I deserve judgment and that's it. Yeah. And um, so, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of two minds. It's just like, sometimes I'll say things and I'll say, oh, you're being a hypocrite. But it's like, no, I'm not being, I'm, I'm acknowledging my sin. Yeah. But I'm also saying, thank you, God, for being um, a gracious and merciful God. Yeah. And that you didn't hold this against me and say, you know what? If that's how you want to treat, you know, someone created in my image, I'm going to close up your loin and make you sterile and make you think about the decision you made at a, in a previous period of your life. So I, I thank God that he didn't do that to me. And, that, and that's one of the reasons why I, I, I feel so passionate about this. Yeah. Um, 
it, it, yes, part of it is, is, you know, it's the politics. People sort of come at this from a political thing and it's arguing over was Margaret Sanger a eugenicist or not? Was she racist or not? And it's like the, the abortion thing for me is not it's not a it's not a racism issue. I'll speak the language that I know people speak, because if I don't, I know it'll be like the Tower of Babel. But really, this is this goes back to to our creator. Um, and I didn't think that way when I was younger. And honestly, I didn't even think that way even after I got older and after I got married, I, I, didn't, I didn't make those connections. And, and part of this goes, again, goes back to the church, black, white, Chinese, or candy stripe, just the church in general. If people are not being discipled properly, if pastors are too afraid to address these, as you said, these Genesis issues because they don't want to see, be seen as being partisan, you're going to turn out uh, members, members of the flock, who can't make sense of these things. And, and all they'll do is just take in political rhetoric and think that all of these battles are on, on a political level, but they're not. Because you can't tell me that we slaughter, you know, since Roe, 60 million babies and that not have an effect on our, on our country. Mm-hmm. If, the, if, the, if life doesn't have inherent value in the womb, what, why would we think that people are gonna see that it has value outside of the womb, right? So. You, you raised an issue in terms of abortion in the black community. A lot of people, and, and it pains me to say this, their response to you would be, well, Ali, all of these things would be worse if many of those babies were born. Because right now in our political culture, there's the notion that being born poor is worse than not being born, than, than being, being killed. killed. And I don't know how we got there, right? I, 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 I really... And, and, and you know this because you, you know the history of these things. Abortion used to be a, a white middle class woman issue. It, it, this was, well, you know, I got an abortion because I got a job opportunity to write for the Atlantic and I wanted to be able to take it and so on and so on and so forth. But now for the last five years, every time they mention abortion, they always pulling black women into it. And these, these bands are going to have a disproportionate impact on black women. And I'm saying to myself, so are you saying that more black children being born is white mm-hmm. supremacy? Right. Is, that, is that where we're going with this? Yeah. So it, last time I was here, I talked about cho- chocolate covered Marxism. I, I still believe in that because that, that is what it is. But it pains me to see how the people in my community allow themselves to be used. Um, for someone else's agenda. And if there's one thing, and we talked a little bit yesterday, you know, in terms of my new position, I'm out of DC government, I'm with the Heritage Foundation, research fellow in the Center for Life, Religion, and Family. Couldn't pick a better place. If there is one thing that I want to do before God takes me off the battlefield, it is to fight with everything I have, both for the restoration of, of, of the family and God's definition of family, but particular interest on the black family. Yeah. Because there are a lot of issues there. Again, many of which are reflective in other parts of society, but you can't, Ali, you you can't have conversations about generational wealth if 60% of kids live with a single mom. Yeah. Doesn't even make sense. Yeah. You can't address wealth if you don't address composition of the Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. So uh, I... Yeah. I have some plans. Yeah. And and there's some things that I that I want to do. Yeah. Because this thing has to turn around cuz if not, you know, you're going to you're going to have a, a like a small 
a very small sort of black upper class elite, um, a medium sized middle class. Mm -hmm. And in 40 years, there's going to be a huge surf class because nobody's going to be able to survive without without um, government help. So yeah. I don't want to make it all this, this heavy, but I. Yeah. I, I think about all of these things in a particular way for a particular reason. And I can't divorce my personal experience. And it actually motivates me even more to say, I was wrong when I did this. Yeah. Don't make the same mistake that I did. Yeah. Right. Value life. There's nothing wrong with. I, I know guys who are 40 and have 20 year old kids. Right. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. you, you chose life to bring that child in into the world and to raise them um so yeah i i, I just yeah. I, I wanted to say that because yeah uh, it, there are three things I'd, I'd say that the democratic party sells these are their products abortion everything having to do with lgbt and to a lesser extent climate change um all the other things jobs, minimum wage, so on and so on and so forth. Those things are their expenses. If you, if you look at politics like a business, a company has products and it has expenses. So they're things that they pay for in order to sell you what it is that you pay them for. And they sell economics, they sell, and particularly the black community, they sell racial justice, quote unquote. And to the extent that black voters buy that, what we end up getting in return are those three things. Yeah. And that's why um, Governor DeSantis had the, the quote unquote anti-CRT bill, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody spent, the NAACP didn't take to the airwaves, BET didn't take to the airwaves and say, uh, we must say CRT. It was only the parental rights bill that oh. got framed as don't say gay, where it was politicians, it was entertainers yeah. at the Grammys, it was, it was people on ESPN who interrupted games to say, we're doing this to stand in solidarity, so right? Ridiculous. So, so I, I think people should be clear that the party is selling certain things. Yeah. They'll indulge you in the things that you like. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll bring back manufacturing. But at the end of the day, yeah. even for the black community, even for the black pastors who say, no, I'm, 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 I'm for racial justice, Democrats are for racial justice. If they get crossways with the LGBT community, if two men want to come into a traditional black church and get married, quote unquote, and that pastor says no, and those men sue, I hope that pastor knows who's gonna be on his side. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. not gonna be the Democrat. Okay, another one of my favorite sponsors is Naturally It's Clean because their products are products that I use on a daily basis in our home. These are cleaning products that provide effective, uh, that provide effective, powerful, plant-based enzymes to ensure that you are cleaning your home not just well and thoroughly but also as safely as possible this is a lot safer than the other cleaning products that you might buy at your typical store because of these plant-based enzymes they are hospital grade solutions that won't reek of nasty chemicals they have specialized formulas for every area of the home i've been especially impressed i mean i use it all but i've been especially Especially impressed by their carpet cleaner because if you've got kids like I do you know that you have to use a carpet cleaner on like a daily basis and a lot of the like more natural stuff just doesn't really seem to work but naturally it's clean does I mean I've gotten out coffee I've gotten out 
smushed raspberry in my in my carpet. I mean, it really works so well. I love their products. Also, this is another company that stands for the things that you and I do, and everything is made in the U.S. It's just a win all around. Go to naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. When you do, you can get an additional 15% off for a limited time. You can also check out my essential starter kit at naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie to see what products I like using best. So go to naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. Use code Allie to receive 15% off your order. Naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. There's so much. There's so much there that I want to say. Um, First of all, I'm just so thankful for the grace of God in all of our lives. I'm thankful for your testimony and just like being vulnerable about that because there are people in our audience listening right now who have either gotten an abortion or paid for an abortion or who supported abortion and who need to know that there is grace and forgiveness and redemption in Christ completely Mm -hmm. and totally, that it's no longer held against you, that If you are a Christian, you have been made a new creation. If you're not a Christian, you can be made a new creation. Mm -hmm. And that there's nothing that you have done that makes you too far gone or too far off or unclean or unworthy. The thing that distinguishes Christianity from every other religion, that every other religion tells you how you can climb the mountain to get to God. Mm -hmm. Christianity says you cannot climb the mountain. So God got off of his throne, came down to the mountain, came down the mountain and rescued you Mm -hmm. to make you good enough to give you his good enough because you could never be good enough. So no matter what sin you've done, how seemingly small or how seemingly great, um, God can make you new and can reconcile you to himself. So you are no longer an enemy, no longer a stranger but you become his friend. You become his son or daughter. You become a fellow heir with Christ. And um, so thank you for just sharing your testimony. And I'm so thankful to the grace of God in all of our lives. There's so many sins that he could hold against us even after we become Christians. I mean, and he chooses to continue to say, I'm not looking at your sin. I'm looking at my son's righteousness Mm -hmm. and he has given that to you. Mm -hmm. So to me, you're acceptable and clean. So Mm -hmm. anyway, thank God for that. And your story reminded me of something that I said when the Herschel Walker story came out, Mm -hmm. who is still neck and neck with Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock is just like a picture of a lot of what we're talking about. Like when you're looking at black pastors, he leads Dr. King's old church. Yes, he does. Ebenezer church outside Atlanta or in Atlanta. And, um, So the story about Herschel Walker came out a few weeks ago that Mm -hmm. he had allegedly paid for an abortion in 2009. Mm -hmm. He denies it. So I don't know whether the story is true or not. But what I said at the time is if Herschel Walker did do this because Christian, his son, says it's his handwriting, Mm -hmm. that it looks like him. If he did this, I would have and he would have done what you just did and said, I did do this in 2009. But if if this is true, I'm not telling I'm not saying that he should lie. But if this is true, God has changed my heart since Mm -hmm. then. He's changed my mind. I'm a wreck over doing that. That was a dereliction of duty. That was the exact opposite of what I'm campaigning on, what I believe now. But I also believe that God is a God of grace and forgiveness. Hopefully my opponent also believes that since he preaches that from the pulpit. Hopefully all of these Christian voters believe in that. But and could have said exactly what you said. That is why I am voting or that's why I'm running to defend life. Right. Because I've been there. I know the pain. I know the destruction. And look, I know that I've got some I've made mistakes in my past because he's got, you know, kids out there that Mm -hmm. he did not father. Mm -hmm. And if he said I 
don't want other kids to feel that pain. And that's why I'm running on this platform. I mean, maybe honesty isn't the best policy. And when it comes to politics, I don't know. But I would have appreciated that. Absolutely. Instead, I'm sitting here wondering, well, is that true? Are you a giant hypocrite? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like when you look at the numbers, Kemp, um, I think it was the last I saw, like 92 percent of voters who voted for Kemp voted for uh voted for Herschel Walker, mm. but 98% of voters who voted for Stacey Abrams also Boy, voted for Warnock. Wow. Interesting. So there was a little bit of a split ticket. So yeah. there were Republicans, I'm sure a lot of them Christian Republicans who were like, sure, I'll vote for Kim because he doesn't seem to have these skeletons in his closet. Yeah, I'm yeah, pro-life. Yeah. But who, maybe who didn't vote for Warnock, but who said, I just can't vote for Herschel myself, because yeah. of this. Now, like, that's a really difficult position because when you're looking at Raphael Warnock, he also has some really bad allegations in his past. Like, mm-hmm. he's got allegations of abuse, of trying to run over his, his ex-wife wife with his car. And, of course, he is also pro-abortion. So you've got a guy who not only has a bad personal past, but also is terrible politically, mm. who says things like, I mean, he's a smooth talker. Mm-hmm. A lot of these pastors are. <laughs> um, who says things like the... The doctor's office is not big enough for the United States government and for a woman and her doctor. And Herschel Walker, in his debate, to his credit, made a really good point. Mm -hmm. He said, you, first of all, is it big enough? Is it big enough for the baby? Right. And pastor, is it big enough for God? Mm. Those also are people who are in the room. And by the way, you are inviting the United States government back into the office Mm -hmm. by saying you want taxpayers to pay for abortion. So not only are you inviting the government back into the office, you are actually inviting every single citizen in the United States back into the office by saying that you want this to be taxpayer subsidized. Um, So, I mean, Raphael Warnock, smooth talker. Someone who says that he's a pastor, cares about the Bible. Mm. He is nothing more, in my opinion, than a liberal activist who distorts the word of God Mm -hmm. to spiritually manipulate the black church into voting Democrat. And I I follow... um, What's the account? The the woke preacher clips. Woke preacher clips mm-hmm. Who has been posting like a lot of, and it's not obviously just black pastors, but I find at least what I see is like black pastors are some of the most politically Abs- openly overt. Po- yes, yes, and yet Delano, yes, isn't this interesting? Mm. And just you can just riddle me this: <laughs> the black pastors, Stacey Abrams, Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. all frequently cite their faith explicitly to say this is why they're Democrat. Mm -hmm. This is why they're Mm pro-abortion. This is why they're whatever uh, pro-liberal agenda. They explicitly say that I'm basing my beliefs on the Bible. Mm -hmm. Stacey Abrams said that she's running in the spirit of Deborah. Uh, she in her concession speech she cited it was like first corinthians something where paul is talking about like um going through persecution for being a christian that is also the plight of stacey abrams oh my gosh it's funny it would be funny if it weren't so sad but i never see accusations of people like stacey abrams Mm -hmm. of christian nationalism and i like to say it like that because it's really like this really scary ghost that apparently is just haunting us um it's only when like a Christian could just be a random Christian in the middle of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I, I I swear, like liberals hear this person whisper to themselves in their home, 
Well, Psalm 139 says <laughs> that we prop that we are made, you know, purposely yeah, and wonderfully yeah, yeah. in the womb. And, you know, I don't think that I can vote for the slaughter of unborn children and still believe that. And then somewhere someone at the ACLU or Sam Perry on Twitter mm. or the uh, woke evangelicals are like, oh, see, I heard you yep. whisper that yep. in your home, yep. you Christian in the middle of Kentucky. I told you Christian nationalism was on the rise, you Christo-fascist. Yep. So tell us of the disparity there. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where um, this, is, uh, this is a challenge, but to me it's, it's also something that conservatives should see as a, as a source of hope, which is the very same people who admire Dr. King for grounding the arguments he made in the civil rights movement in scripture, you know, oftentimes, you know, in the New Testament, so on and so forth, or, or, uh, or passages that talk about justice, criticize conservative evangelicals for grounding their arguments against abortion and transgenderism in the same Bible. So, so to me, if, 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 you, if you want to be a Stacey Abrams or if you want to be a Raphael Warnock and you want to say, I, ha- I come to the positions I come to because of my faith, well, well I'm going to say, okay, well, so do I. And, and the difference is I'm going to um, reference scripture in context and tie it to the issue that we're talking about, not take something you know, out of context and say, oh, see, love your neighbor, which is why you shouldn't encourage your neighbor to kill her baby. Like that, that, those two things don't, don't square up. Um, I, I do think that there is the, the perception, certainly in the black community, and I think even nationally, is that, and I think this, is, this came about because of the civil rights movement, um, less so the abolitionist movement, because I don't think the average person just knows as much about that. We don't see the pictures. We don't, you know, none of the people are alive. But there's the perception that the civil rights movement was powered by faith. And there's a certain appreciation for that that I think has carried forward in the culture and history of the traditional black church. And if the traditional black church was on the front lines in terms of the pro-life movement, in terms of marriage and the natural family, um, in terms of some of these other issues, even if they still had the same views on race, I think that would be a very different story. But what's happened is that... um, the, the black church and again I'm, I'm speaking generally about specific types of churches so think Raphael Warnock is the perfect avatar for this because yes. he literally passes the church that Mark, Dr. King yes. used to pastor when 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 people like him you know if 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 people like him were on the front lines of some of these issues as I said I, I think we would see it differently but the party um, the the party is the dog and those types of churches are the tail. Yeah. So it's clear to get to understand, you know, what the relationship is. And, and I'll say this. One of the things that I appreciate about you and, you know, about some of our other, you know, our friends, both in real life and in, on Twitter, who are, you know, Bible believing, gospel believing um, Christians. Is that we don't play that game. When we see Kenneth Copeland at a Trump rally and, and there, there are people saying, oh, yeah, see, uh, oh, Trump yeah. stands with God and so on and so forth. We're like, nah, yeah. Kenneth Copeland, not a yeah. chief. Like let's, he's, yeah. So. Let's talk about that for okay. a second. So the other day at a rally, uh, Trump had 
Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> Pray at his rally. Kenneth Copeland uh, kind of scares me for a variety of reasons, but... For people who don't know, he is one of the most infamous purveyors of the prosperity gospel, this kind of name it and claim it word of faith uh, message that basically says that God will bless you with material things, with health, by your prayer, by your faithfulness, by your obedience. And they basically say, like, this is the exchange that you get when you become a Christian, that God is going to show you favor. And of course, I won't get into like all of my debunking of the prosperity gospel. <laughs> I can link to a past episode that I dedicated on that. We've talked about it um, several times, but that is not the gospel. That's not to say that God doesn't offer us material, offer people material wealth. He might, or that he doesn't offer people health because he absolutely might. Um, I'm not demonizing those things. I'm not even saying that for some reasons you can't pray for, you know, favor or health or like financial help for your family. I'm not saying that we cannot ask God for those things and that he will not grant them. But even if he doesn't, uh, even if he does not grant health, healing, wealth, material blessings, that promotion, uh, that relationship or marriage that you think that you are entitled to, that does not mean that that is a punishment to you. That does not mean that he has not shown favor to you. If God did nothing good materially in our lives, he would still be far more gracious than we deserve by giving us Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the gospel. The salvation that we have through him is what we are guaranteed through the gospel. It's nothing else. It's Jesus plus nothing is the gospel. Um, And so anyone who tries to add on to that by saying that God guarantees you health and wealth um, is lying to you and is leading you to hell because they have depicted God as a genie some you know uh, you can rub the lamp and you have three wishes and he will uh, give them to you you're earning things from God and that is not who God is Jesus guarantees trouble he guarantees persecution he guarantees tribulation if we look throughout the history of the church the history of the church has not been prosperity it has not uh, been necessarily health and wealth and saving from discomfort and inconvenience it has been characterized by a lot of hardship and also by the grace of God simultaneously. And so I think that Kenneth Copeland, that Paula White, who mm-hmm. is also an advisor, like I am sure that I agree with them on a lot politically. Like we are probably in line on a lot of things, but look, they are false teachers. I hope and pray that God would change their hearts, would change their minds, that they would soften, they would come to repentance, that they would repudiate their old teachings, and that they would preach the true gospel. That's what I want because they have a lot of influence. I'm not saying they've never said anything true. I'm not saying they've never done anything good because some people will say, well, I've benefited from Kenneth Copeland's ministry or whatever. Not saying that you haven't, but the message that they preach is wrong. So um, I knew, obviously, that Kenneth Copeland and Paula White were already in Trump's inner circle. But that doesn't mean that I'm not disturbed again by seeing him give Kenneth Copeland a platform to pray. Now, Delano, here's where I want you to weigh in on this. Mm -hmm. Like, 
my pushback that I got when I said that, when I said, look, they're false teachers and any effect that they have on Trump is going to be negative for the nation. Now, I can kind of think about how maybe there's some like nuance to that in that like, okay, sure, if Paula White told him, hey, you need to be pro-life and then he was pro-life, like that would have a positive effect on the nation. So maybe right. I could have caveated that a little bit. No, I don't caveat. But, <laughs> but I mean, still, I there are other people no, who are you. not false teachers who Correct. could advise him. Correct. But people said, well, you know, Trump is not a pastor. This was not a church service. And so who cares if he platforms someone like Kenneth Copeland? So I don't know, like, did I overanalyze it? Am I being dramatic? What do you think? No, because I think... Um, one of the themes of our conversation, right, is that any country or any group of people that thinks that they are going to be saved by politicians is already heading in the wrong direction. So to, the, to, to me, the, 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 the most negative impact that the Kenneth Copelands and the Paula Whites have on this country is in the church because they, they feed um, the American notion of, of materialism. And, and that uh, amassing more stuff is proof that you're being blessed by God. And, and, and in some respects, sometimes the more stuff is, can, can lead you curse. away from God, right? Yeah. It hurts. It's like, okay, I'd much rather go after a new promotion or a new job and spend less time, you know, with my family, you know. So to, to the extent that they, that they have an impact there, right, that I agree with you 100%. I believe that they're false teachers, and they are the, the, the weeds that are choking out, you know, and, and, and taking up space in the good soil. So if, if you have a, a Christian and they say, let's say they're a Trump voter and they're a nominal Christian or, or they may not be a Christian at all. And they say, oh, wow. Trump likes Paula White and Kenneth Copeland. Maybe I should give TBN a second chance. Maybe. maybe. And, and that person comes to quote unquote faith through watching President Trump and ends up with a Paula White and a Kenneth Copeland, then to your point, like their soul is in jeopardy. So no, I, I, I agree with you. I think having those types of people advising you spiritually is a bad move for the nation and also for the president because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, he is a human being. He's an image bearer, just like all the rest of us. I, I believe the scripture when it says that Christians should pray for their leaders. Um, but I also know he is going to stand before um, judgment at, at some at the end of his life, just like all of us. And and I pray that he that he is a believer and that he would if he's not, that he would repent and, and trust in Christ. He's not going to get that message from Paula White and Kenneth Copeland. In fact, they're probably feeding that thing in him which dominates his personality. Oh, look, look, if it's the good stuff from their perspective, you won X amount of votes. You're this popular with these people. You've amassed this much wealth. God is blessing you and it's continued to bless you. And then when he's criticized, um, that's just the, the enemy coming after you and so on and so on and so forth, because this is their doctrine. Um, so, so no, I, I don't, I, I agree with your analysis. I think seeing him there, is a bad sign for the president for his personal spiritual health as well as um the influence that that strain of christianity and I'm, and i'm only using terms that people would you know would recognize because it'd be harder to say that strain of false teaching right because they they are recognized as as pastors 
but that strain of Christianity, I think, ultimately is is yeah. going to be to the to the nation's detriment. Yeah, you know, I heard a story about Paula White, and like I appreciate this that apparently. A few years ago, when Trump was campaigning, he used the Lord's name in vain. He said GD mm. at a campaign event. Apparently, she got on a plane, went into his office, pointed her finger in his face and said, Mr. President, if you ever use the Lord's name in vain like that again, I promise you, you will like lose the evangelical vote or something like that. Mm. So like. I appreciate that. That's much good. Respect, yeah, yeah, much respect about that. So it's not about, oh, these people, everything that they say is wrong and that they have like no redeeming advice. But again, like what you're saying, when you are, it's one thing if they're saying, if they're advising the president on, okay, we think that you should be pro-life or right. we think that you on should policy. be for yeah. uh, religious liberty. But when you put them on a stage and say, this is kind of like a representative of me right. to then pray to you, basically mm-hmm. spiritually shepherd for a period of mm-hmm. time, all of these people, I do find that to be problematic. That doesn't mean that we don't have, when it comes to politics and culture, like a coalition of people who believe different things. I mean, I wouldn't say that when it comes to Kenneth Copeland, it's just like a matter of doctrinal like disagreement i mean i think that he is a false teacher through and through but look like as conservatives there are people that we link arms with that do not share the same theology right but i do think it's different when you're talking about spiritual advice to the president and again when you are allowing them to give spiritual shepherding to the people who are following you that's a problem and then you look at ron DeSantis who I believe is Catholic. I don't know exactly where his family is theologically, but he chose um, to he chose to ask Tom Askell, Pastor mm. Tom Askell from Florida to pray at his recent campaign event. You could not get someone that is further away from someone like Kenneth Copeland. I mean, Tom Askell is solid. I mm-hmm. think that he is great. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't I don't know exactly what this is. It's the providence and the sovereignty and the goodness of God, like yeah. on the on the DeSantis campaign. He's obviously got a lot of good people working for him that are like, oh, this is a good guy. Mm-hmm. It could also be strategic, which there's nothing wrong with that saying, OK, this is a solid person. We can tell that the evangelicals who like you like him. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's go with this guy. So, but whatever it is, when it comes to instincts, if I'm just looking at those two things, mm-hmm. I mean, someone made far and away a better choice. Yeah. And like, I don't like to pit DeSantis and Trump against <laughs> each other. And I'm sure the DeSantis campaign doesn't like that either. Right. But like Trump is goading him into this fight, mm-hmm. calling him Ron to sanctimonious <laughs> and made a comment. Weak, oh yeah. yeah, totally made a comment the other day. And I talked about this yesterday. Like, I don't feel like I have to caveat it. I appreciate Donald Trump. I would vote for him again. If he is the Republican nominee, mm-hmm. he took the time to come on this show. Very thankful for that. There's a lot of good things that he did. Um, but like, he's now saying things about, Oh, DeSantis's wife is just like running the campaign. And I'm like, okay, Cool, she's doing a great job. Like, I don't even know what he's trying to say. And then, and we've got we've got to wrap up soon because mm-hmm. you've got somewhere to get to. I have somewhere to get to. But just a couple more things. Yeah. So, like, come full circle. We started talking about DeSantis. We're going to end kind of talking about DeSantis and like just a little bit of 2024. Then we'll be mm-hmm. done. Um, and then there was this clip of one of Trump's lawyers saying basically, DeSantis better watch out. So here's that. 
Ron DeSantis, although his policies are really good, he's not recognizing Donald Trump as the leader of this movement. And I think that could pose some problems for him if he actually tries to go toe-to-toe with President Trump. Uh, I strongly recommend he not do that. I think it would be a career suicide probably for at least the next several years. Uh, yikes. So apparently that's a Trump lawyer on the, it didn't say on the screen what her name is, but we'll try to find that. But, um, I mean, it is true that whoever Trump goes toe to toe with, he pulls them down in the mud Mm -hmm. and he, you know, I mean, he gives them nicknames, but like, okay, Marco Rubio went against him. I guess that was a few years ago now. Mm -hmm. He won resoundingly last Mm -hmm. night in Florida and like I don't know I mean do you think that that is a a good characteristic to say yeah I'm gonna ruin the career of a very effective Republican politician if they try to compete against me in an election like no absolutely not and and I think part of um part of the problem and this, this is less about Trump and just again how our political culture has morphed over the years Right. Last night on towards the end of the election coverage, I think Steve Dace used the term statesman. Right? We don't think about our leaders as, as statesmen anymore. We don't think because our, our politics, in many respects, it, it's not serious. It's all spectacle. Sometimes people will run for office and particularly on a congressional level. And you can tell, OK, the main reason they're running is just to build their personal profile. And then and then when they get to Washington, some people, again, it's just all spectacle. And that doesn't serve anyone, not, not in my opinion. So to the extent that a politician makes their public service about them, I think it does the nation harm. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the, the differences when you talked about Trump and um, Paul White and Kenneth Copeland and DeSantis and, and Tom Askell. Um, that first group tends to be about me, like, what, what can I get out of it? Like, what is God doing for me? What? And, and, I don't I don't think that that's helpful. Um, so and, and then on, on the second group, it's for all the criticism like DeSantis gets for being an authoritarian, authoritarian, and all this other stuff. I'm just like, if an authoritarian is the person, the governor who tells the federal government, no, you are not going to keep the people of this state from working. And he lets them go out and run their barbershops and their beauty shops and, and you know, whatever other types of work that can't be done behind a computer screen, then I'll take authoritarianism. Yeah. Because that to me sounds like a, a governor who respects right. liberty. So if it's if if authoritarian is telling one of the most powerful global corporations mm-hmm. that who then pledges to undermine in the courts mm-hmm. legislation protecting the rights of parents and education, what we talked about earlier, what the left deemed the don't say gay bill, mm-hmm. um, a legislation that was passed by representatives that were duly elected, duly elected right. by the constituents mm-hmm. signed by a governor that was duly elected by those citizens. If authoritarianism is the governor saying, no, you are, you are not major corporation with all this power and money going to undermine our democratic process. So mm-hmm. let me take not your rights, but your privileges, privileges right. away. Then, yeah, that's what I want. Right. And, and let me ask you this, Ali. Is there any part of you that thinks that if President Trump was in a similar situation, face down with, with Disney, that he wouldn't fold if the CEO of Disney came on TV and said, I talked I talk to President Trump. He's a strong leader. 
he 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 gets these issues. I, uh, we we want to find a compromise, but I told him we'll bring more jobs into the country. So on. And so he's he is he's he's a better leader. He's stronger than I thought. You don't think that if that if his ego was stroke, that he wouldn't say, you know what, the bill is not that bad. Because one of the things that people don't really talk about that often is that all of us have ticks and proclivities and, and, you know, weak spots. But when when your weakness is flattery, right, when it's when it's that open, um, when all someone has to do to get you on their side is to just flatter you publicly and talk about how great you are then all that another a person in, in a chess game has to do is say, no, he's, he's, really, he's really smart. He's stronger. He, he, has, he has the stamina of a 40-year-old. And he said, yeah, I like that. <laughs> and then you just go along with it. So one of the things I appreciated about DeSantis is that he stood in the gap. He took the arrows and the slings. And he's, he's willing to lay something on the line for the people of his state. And I respect that. And again, I, I'm like you. I'm not voting for any party or candidate, Republican or Democrat, it just happens to be the Democrats now, who is for abortion on demand and um, the redefinition of marriage, family, and life. That's not happening. So if Trump is a nominee in 2024, I'll vote for him. But do I think that that is the wisest course of action for Republicans? I don't. But ultimately, yeah. the people will decide. It, it doesn't matter what I think. It's, it's a matter of what the people think. But I, I definitely don't think Ron DeSantis will never have stock higher than it is now. And if and if he says, well, I'm going to defer to an octogenarian and wait my turn, there's no there's no telling what's going to happen in 2028. Yeah. So if I was him, I, I wouldn't make that calculation. All right. Last sponsor for the day. Another incredible sponsor for the show and that is covenant eyes they have a mission that i really believe in and that is protecting yourself and protecting your family especially your children from the damaging effects of pornography covenant eyes is a software that you download on all of your devices that blocks porn they also have accountability tools so that maybe you uh, have an accountability relationship with someone in your life who can actually see what you are looking at on the internet to make sure that you aren't trying to look at pornography Uh, this can protect the hearts and the minds not just of you and your spouse but also your children the age that kids are accidentally uh, many times accessing porn is getting younger and younger and you want to protect your child's innocence for as long as you can and covenant eyes makes that easier so take action today get covenant eye software block porn on your children's devices model online integrity for your kids by using accountability on your device as well. Go to coveyes.com slash Allie. That's coveyes.com slash Allie to get this free for 30 days at my link coveyes.com slash Allie. Oh man, it's so tough because on the one hand, like I love having a a Republican stronghold in Florida. And it depends on kind of like what the game is. Is the game to make strong conservative states that will go toe to toe with the federal government that can be a bulwark against 
against that power? Mm-hmm. Or is it to take our best governors and put them in the federal government so that they can transform things from the top down? Ideally, we have both, right? right. Ideally, we right. have both. Um, but look, I agree about DeSantis. I think that like what he was willing to do, which traditionally governor, Republicans just in general have not been willing to do, was to say, what power, constitutional power, mm-hmm. Do I have at my disposal and how can I use that Mm. to rein in the power of the entities that are crushing the people who voted for me? And people get so scared when I say that. They're like, oh, it's like Joe Walsh last night was like, oh, they're just saying that they are authoritarians who want power who are against the rule of law. I'm like, okay, I don't even like again, just reject your premise. Just go away. But I am saying, no, we use the rule of law to mm-hmm. pursue righteousness. Right. That is what we do. And again, that's not theocracy. That is the role of the government. Romans 13. Mm-hmm. That's a basic, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Basic. And Republicans need to get a lot more comfortable with using the power that is constitutionally and legally available to them mm-hmm. to pursue righteous legislation and punish wrongdoing and they need to understand that corporations are not your friend okay they're not your friend anymore and so rewarding them i'm not saying corporate tax cuts are bad but just rewarding them with corporate tax cuts and thinking okay well that's all i need to do there and thinking that like being unconditionally pro-corporation is a conservative or a libertarian position it is not the corporations have become so powerful that they actually have the ability to limit our freedoms yes like if paypal can punish someone by charging them twenty five hundred dollars for something that they deem misinformation that could be boys can't become girls who knows then that means that the only entity that has the power to rein those corporations in in must do so Mm -hmm. and that is the government that is what the new gop must do i think that people like jd vance understand that so glad he was elected in ohio Mm -hmm. i think that blake masters understands that i think that that election that that race is still outstanding i don't think we know all the arizona um Arizona results yet um and so like I know that there's like a lot of negativity right now among Republicans because it wasn't a red tsunami I get that but this is a moment Democrats never do any introspection whatsoever and they're never going to like I mean if they can literally put a zombie like John Fetterman (laughs) Ford and win an election why would they ever do any introspection whatsoever Mm. but Oz was a terrible candidate which kind of goes to what I'm saying yeah is that okay this is a moment for us this is a moment for us republicans Mm -hmm. since it wasn't a red tsunami i think that's a little bit of a blessing because we can look at okay where did we go wrong we can see trump is not a kingmaker just because trump endorses someone walker um oz does not mean that they are going to win and actually a lot of people that kind of distance themselves from trump like katie Britt in alabama kemp uh desantis 
they won just fine. Yep. They won pretty handily. I would say Abbott, even though those people didn't necessarily say that they're anti-Trump, that would have right. been stupid. They also didn't say, oh, Trump, please, will right. you help me? Right. Will you please endorse me? And they still won. Okay, so Trump is not a kingmaker. That's one lesson we need to learn. We want culture warriors. Yes. Republicans want culture warriors, yes. unapologetic culture warriors that are willing to crush the entities that are crushing us. Mm-hmm. That is what Republicans want. Fight for parental rights, fight for the family, fight against abortion, fight against gender ideology, fight against the racial division, and be completely relentless in doing so. Reject the premises of the left and give us cover. Be so far out there that you are giving us cover Mm -hmm. to speak up um, and to do the same. Like, that is what we want. We are tired of just an impotent GOP. Yes, I agree. And, and w- one thing I'll say is this, um, there's a pol- political analysis, but then again, comes full circle. I think Christians need to become more comfortable with the thought that our values, and it may be in the short term, I hope it's short term, I hope it's not long term, but our values really are, our biblical values are out of step with the zeitgeist. And that may mean that the people that we support don't always win office. Yeah. And we have to be okay with that. And which is why it's so important that we are connected to good, solid gospel teaching churches so that we're not swept away, whether it's in a, a, a blue wave or a red wave. Yeah. Because of, cause one of the things, and this could be a, a, a conversation for another time, but one of the questions I think we should start asking ourselves as conservatives is particularly as Christians. What will civic engagement look like if in 15 years the Republican Party is then where the Democrats are now? Mm-hmm. If, if your average Republican, right, is pro-abortion, if the average Republican shows up for the Pride Parade and says, well, we'll earmark just a little bit of money for drag queens in schools, what is, what is a Christian conservative to do about that, right? So I think that's a question that we should ask ourselves, but yeah, yeah. We, we cannot put our faith in man. I think we, as conservatives, we should strike the phrase, you know, restore the soul of our nation, save our country from our, from our language, if, it, mm. if we're talking about politics, mm. because politicians are people and many of them can't even manage their own personal affairs. Mm-hmm. And if, if I, as an individual, if I can't manage my, my own personal affairs, right, if I can't get my family situation right, if, if I have problems holding a job, if my kids are causing trouble in the neighborhood, why would I expect somebody 2,000 miles away in Washington or even my governor to be able to do for me what I can't do for yeah. myself? Yeah. So I, I think one of the most important things I think that we should take away from this midterm and just in general as we move forward as believers is we have to have a radical, um, we, we have to have a, a radical sort of reorientation to politics and to put them in their right place. Um, we, we talk as believers, we, we, we speak frequently about the body of Christ and we know that a body has many parts with different, different functions. What is a body politic too? And that body politic is completely distorted. It has a huge right bicep, and a shriveled left leg. 
Um, and hmm. and when when we talk about things in this way, and you know, this person is gonna save this, and they're gonna do that, and they're gonna do, and it's just like no, as a believer, like you're you're putting your hope in the wrong place. Yeah. Right. You neglect church membership, and think that somebody in the state capital is gonna fix the problems that you have in your house. Yeah. And it's just like that's that's not the way things work. So, I I would love to see us get to a place where. The government's smaller. It's doing the things that it's supposed to do, to your point. And I said this yesterday as we close, protect our rights, preserve our resources, and promote righteousness. If they can do those three things and allow pe- individuals to, to, to live their lives, and assuming we, have, we get back to having a moral and religious people, like John Adams said, we can do those things. Yeah. If we continue on this path, we're going to get more and bigger and more intrusive government yeah. because that's what happens when you have an immoral and irreligious people. Yeah. The government by necessity has to grow. We're coming up on, on the holiday season. There's some families who can't even have Thanksgiving dinner without the police being called or without some authority being called because when Uncle Joe and Uncle Jim get together, there's always a clash. So if, if we don't have small SG self-government, Mm-hmm. then we're going to get big BG, exactly. big government. And and yeah. I'd rather avoid that. Yeah. That, that when there's outcome. moral anarchy, there is going Correct. to be state tyranny. Correct. Um, yeah. Gosh, there's so much we could go. <laughs> we, on it, we have gone for an hour and a half. We were joking about how I don't do two hour episodes. And yet here we are. We can keep going. And yes, you know, I agree about like the limited nature of the government. Ironically, in order for us to get there, there is some power that has to be exercised like for example cleaning house and Mm -hmm. the corrupt administrative and security states like if you know a republican ever did become president again that is going to take some flexing of the muscle people Mm -hmm. talking about like abolishing the education department or getting rid of teachers unions like that's going to take some authority to do that ultimately Mm -hmm. we do want to get to a place where the government is limited but you're absolutely right i mean that starts not just in the family and communities which it does but it starts in the heart Mm -hmm. and man if christian churches were just strong on preaching the word of God, half of the cultural issues that we deal with today wouldn't be probably as much of a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, to close this out, Delano, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We probably won't be doing a podcast. Hey, I'm not really sure about the media sphere in heaven, but I can (laughs) say that there won't be, there won't be politics. There won't be partisanship. There won't be abortion. There won't Mm. be corruption. Mm. uh, There won't be political debates anymore because everyone will see and know that Jesus Christ is King. But until then we have things to discuss. We've got work to do. Uh, We seek the welfare of the cities in which God has providentially placed us that primarily starts in our home and in our communities but a part of that is also politics Mm -hmm. because politics affects our communities and if we believe that god's ways are better if we believe that god created the heavens and the earth and he's the authority then we believe that his order is good not just for ourselves but also for our neighbors and also for our nation we will never love our neighbor well by voting in a way that opposes god's order so that's why we talk about politics uh, not because we think that it's more important than our citizenship which is in heaven or because we want to elevate the temporal over the eternal but because we realize that while we are occupying this physical space and mm-hmm. linear time there's work that god is calling us to do some of that is yeah. political yeah. most of it is personal all right that's all we've got time for today thank you so much for being my co-host thank you for having me that was awesome okay guys we'll be back here tomorrow